Congregation, the text for this evening hour is from Psalm 43. We have read the psalm this morning. Psalm 43, the fourth verse. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. So far. The theme for tonight is exceeding joy. And with the help of the Lord, three thoughts. The greatness of the joy. Why is it so exceeding? What does it mean, exceeding joy? What does the Bible say about that? The reason why it is so great. Secondly, the marks of that joy. Not all joy is saving joy. Not all joy is the joy of the Holy Spirit. So what are the marks of the real, true, biblical joy? And in the third place, encouraged to seek that joy. In the Bible, we often read about it. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Apparently, that is important to the Lord. Exceeding great joy. The greatness of the joy, the marks of the joy, and courage to seek that joy. Congregation, many psalms are divided. You read a psalm and you think, I don't get it. Is the psalmist now optimistic or is he negative? Looks like in one verse he is all upbeat and assured. Next verse he's down. Sometimes you're confused about those psalms, that they seem to be so split, so divided, as if the author speaks from both sides of his mouth. Example from daily life. If you ask someone, how are you doing? He says, I have cancer, but I'm fine. Cancer and fine? What do you mean? Cancer is not fine, is it? So the type of thing in the Psalms, kind of a confusing thought. And that's often in the Bible even. You know also what the father said of that lunatic boy, right? He asked the Lord Jesus to heal his son. And the Lord Jesus said to him, If thou believest. And he said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Was he believing or not? If you say, I believe, why do you need help with your unbelief? And that's, for example, also in Romans 7. For the good that I would, that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. That's a little different. It also sounds so double. And that's also true in the Psalms often. Also in the Psalm we have seen this morning. Psalm 42. Deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of thy waterspouts, all thy waves, 
and thy billows are glory. Yet, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. How can it be? How can you say that so directly after the other? Deep calling to deep out the waves and billows can over me. So that, that, that's not good. You're not fine. And then say right after, his loving kindness is in the daytime, and his song shall be with me. And I pray to the God of my life. So that is the experience of God's people. The Psalms are highly experiential. And God's children have the both of them in their hearts. So it is possible that they have attended the Lord's Supper this morning with a, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Or whether all the waves are gone over me. And yet, there is also his loving kindness. They see both sides. Not only one side. So they are realistic. See the circumstances. And yet, there is also hope. That's the same in Psalm 43. Right? Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. He's asking to be delivered from the unjust man that might be saw. Lord, deliver me. My enemies are against me. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send thy light and thy truth. See that he is in need. He needs deliverance. He needs the Lord. He is not so sure. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let him lead me. And then yet he comes back with the other tone. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto the God, my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, Oh God, my God. See, it goes up and down and up and down in the life of God's people. Sometimes high heights, sometimes deep depths, and sometimes more stability, not such high heights, also depends upon your character, I suppose. But then let us have a look at verse 4. Then, then will I go unto the altar of God. Then, when? Well, he is on the run. He's in danger. He is not close to the sanctuary. He cannot worship the Lord. He cannot see the sacrifices being offered. He truly misses that. He also feels the inability to go back to Jerusalem right now. It is impossible. It is so dark in his life. There's no light. 
and he does not dare to walk in the darkness, he needs the Holy Spirit to lead him. Oh, send thou thy light, in verse 3, so it is dark. Send out the light. In the dark, I can't walk. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Send out the light, O Lord, and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, to Jerusalem, and to thy tabernacles, the temple. So he's praying the Lord to be mindful of him. He needs to be led to that place. He cannot bring himself to that place. Very dependent upon the Lord. And so God's people are so asking, Lord, lead me to that place. Lead me to the church. Lead me to the truth. Lead me to the Lord's supper table. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. I don't dare to go by myself in the dark. Lead me, O Lord, lead me. Is that how it was this morning? Have we gone our own strength in our own light? Or have we very dependent upon the Lord and was it in our hearts? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then, when the Lord brings me there, leads me, then will I go unto the altar of God. Because that is what the um, sanctuary mainly is. It is the altar, called the altar of God. That is especially the burnt offering altar. And the psalmist has seen it so often, as we have indicated so this morning, that someone came with an animal and that the person sacrificing put his hands on the head of the animal and transferred all the sin, so to speak, to that animal. And the animal was killed, animal sacrificed and burned, and sometimes partially eaten, depending on what type of sacrifice it was. During those times, he was at the altar of God, and to the God, my exceeding joy. Oh, he knows that the Lord is faithful, but yet he is asking for his guidance. He is not, it's not so that he has no faith at all. There is a faith, there is a balm in his heart. But at the same time, he's asking for the experience. Some of God's children know what has happened. They know that. They remember that. They doesn't always feel that way. And that's also for the Lord's Supper table. Going to the Lord's Supper table is one thing. Knowing that you may go there, that you must go there, but not also feel it in your heart. That's different. And that's what you see in this song. So then will I go unto the altar of God, unto, the, unto God my exceeding joy. That is something the Lord needs to give.
I remember the time that I preached in Holland on John 9. And John 9 is on the man that was born blind. You may remember him. And he was eventually cast out of the synagogue. And the Lord Jesus found him. And he asked him if he believed in the Son of God. And he said, who is he, Lord? Who is he? That I may believe in him. I like to believe in him, but who is he? And then the Lord Jesus indicated it was him. And he worshipped him. I preached on that on Sunday. In that week, a handicapped baby was born. And I visited the parents. And I could not help thinking of that man that was born blind on that Sunday. The question was also, who has sinned? He had, had he sinned on his parents? And the Lord Jesus had said, no, no, no. He, he received that to the glory of God. So I still had it on my mind. And I brought it up. I said, have you listened to the sermon last Sunday morning? And the mother said, yes. And it really struck me, she said. I thought, oh, she listened to that sermon. And she makes a link between the sermon and her handicapped baby. No. She said, who is he, Lord? that I may believe in him. That was her concern. Next to her, a handicapped baby, severely handicapped, died when he was four years old. I did a funeral. But that was not her biggest concern. Her biggest concern was God. Being saved by the Lord and not just having forgiveness of sins, but to be close to him, to know him, to have him as your God. And that's also for David. He's not just asking for help, for deliverance from the enemies, and to be better, and to feel good, and to be prosperous, and to go back to Jerusalem. No, that was not his biggest concern. His biggest concern was God, my exceeding great joy in the Lord. That was his problem. How was that with you? What do we pray for? What's in our mind? That exceeding joy in the Lord? Is it possible? To save from the heart, O God, thou art my God, and yet to not experience the exceeding joy? Yes, it's possible. O my exceeding joy. We read about it in the Bible. We read about the fullness of joy. The fullness of it. You can have a glass of water filled with a little bit of water or filled half, or completely to the rim. 
And so the Bible speaks about the fullness of joy. When the Lord gives that exceeding joy, it is full. You can't add anymore. It is the limit. In the Bible, we're about to sing for joy. Out loud with the voice, to sing for joy. And we about everlasting joy. And breaking forth into joy. And we're about to skip for joy in the Bible. And to leap for joy. And the sacrifice of joy. And the increase of joy. I know it must be the true joy. We'll talk about that in the second part. But we have to admit, joy is in the Bible very central. You know why? Because God wants the glory. You say, what? I don't understand that answer. The question was, why is it so important, Lord, that his people has exceeding joy? My answer was, to God's glory. Because if God's people would serve him without joy, what is that? It is duty. Now you must do it. You don't even like it. You're supposed to do that. Okay, we'll do it. But that's not what the Lord is pleased with. The Lord is pleased when there is a people that adores him and that rejoices in him in having such a God that they could not be happier. That is glorifying to God. That's what we read about it, exceeding joy. Often we read about the joy also in a contrast. Like that split psalm, like I believe, help them my unbelief. So also with joy. For example, in 2 Corinthians 7.30, Weep as though thou wept not, they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. So it is the joy of the world that is, that is different. And God's people may rejoice in the things of this life, but not deeply. Because the Lord needs to be the joy. And he needs to be that extreme pleasure. My exceeding joy. In the original it says, glad joy. Or joyous gladness. It is double. And our fathers have translated that with exceeding joy. Like we also read about Adam and Eve. Thou shalt surely die. It says in the original, Thou shalt die the death. That's the Hebrew way, biblical way of emphasizing the word. What a joy. David really missed going to the tabernacle. As it was a place that God revealed himself. And I sometimes saw the Lord and that gave him such a profound joy. We were actually created for that joy. It is not wrong to find joy. 
I would say do it. Is that not selfish, minister, to seek for joy? No. Seek joy as much as you can. But don't settle for too little. Say, I need all the joy there is. I need the best joy ever. And that joy is the joy of the Lord. It is an exceeding joy. So therefore, in that sense, you may be selfish and say, I really want that joy. And the Lord will not say that it's selfish, I'm not honored by that. The Lord has a pleasure in the exceeding joy of his people because they exceedingly rejoice in him. Why it is so exceeding? It includes so much. It includes to be reconciled with God. It includes to be a recipient of his grace, of his goodness, of his love, being loved by the Creator, his benevolence, to be your God, your Father, your portion, your delight, the Lord Jesus being your Savior, to be for his account, to belong to him, having the only comfort in life and death for body and soul. Nothing can separate God's people from him. They receive a place in heaven I has not seen and ear has not heard and has not even been imagined by, by people. And he has given them that. So what is so special? We have quoted Psalm 63 before. Let me do it again and there emphasis on a few more, more, more words, different words. O oh God, thou art my God, Early did I seek thee, my soul thirsted for thee, my flesh longed for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. We talked about it, right? See the power and the glory. But then it continues, because thy loving kindness is better than life. Better than anything. Better than, better than marriage, and better than having babies, and better, better than being wealthy, and better than being blessed. His loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Exceeding great joy. Let us think about that. And maybe there was something of that this morning. It's not always the same. Sometimes it is a calmness. Sometimes it is that split. I believe, help thou my unbelief. Sometimes it is something that steps on the brake. And sometimes it is exceeding joy. The Lord is also free in that. 
But let us go to the second thought, the marks of that joy. Not all joy, not all spiritual joy, is the true joy. I read in Job 20 that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. The, the, the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. So hypocrites can have joy. People deceiving themselves regarding their soul can be mistaken. We read in Hebrews 6, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away. Impossible to renew them again unto repentance. So, in temporary faith, people can have tasted the good word of God. It's possible that there were texts in the Bible that stood out and felt like they were for you in the Bible. You tasted them. You had some joy. And yet, you may lose that, and you may despise it, and you may have been mistaken. You also know about that parable of the sower, right? Most parables of the Lord Jesus are about deceiving yourself. Most parables. And also that parable. You know of that seed on the stony places and the seed on the road and the seed in, among the thorns. And that seed in stony places that immediately receives the word of God with joy inside. So it is possible to have real joy in something of the gospel. And there is no depth. And it really withers again. So we can talk about joy and we can try to pep people up and to bump people up and say, you must rejoice, but it must be the real joy, the God-given joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. And what are the marks of that joy? Well, in the first place, it is a very humble joy. Rejoicing with trembling, like it says in Psalm 2. So it's a, a trembling. It's an, an, an awe, you know, kind of looking up so highly to God to give him glory and honor and to have also that deep esteem for him and being so low yourself and so unworthy yourself and so hellworthy. But next to that, the real joy is Christ-based, Christ-based. 
whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see the word believing and joy in one text? Have you not seen him? You love him? Though now you see him not, yet believing in him, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So the joy needs to be based on the work of the Lord Jesus. If he has no place in the joy, the joy is the joy of the spider, the joy that has no depth, the joy that disappears again. So let me prove that from the Bible. We think of the mother of the Lord Jesus, Mary. She also composed a song, right? The song of Mary. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, she says. So she called God the Savior as rejoiced in him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. So the real joy is a joy focused on God in his saving grace in the Lord Jesus. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. So you have attended Lord's Supper maybe? Maybe you didn't. Have you ever rejoiced in Christ? Not only in a text like that you're fine, that you're saved, that you're forgiven, but it is God and Christ focused. That you've rejoiced in Him. If you've not rejoiced in God, not rejoiced in who He is, in His beauties, in His holy excellencies, then something is wrong. Then the, 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 the joy that you have. It's a joy that is not really substantial. So I would like to ask you then to repent of, of, of sin and to seek for yourself to find the Savior, to seek Him, to believe Him personally, that He may reveal Himself in the Bible to your heart. The true joy makes holier. If it is joy that is not the real one, it makes you superficial, it makes you proud, it makes you high-minded, it's different. The true joy makes you holier, makes you more careful, it motivates you to live a holy life. In the true joy is also love. Love for the Lord. Love is without me. It's important. We read in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 
gentleness, goodness, faith. So when the Holy Spirit works, the Holy Spirit works that faith in the heart, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and also that joy, together with the peace, together with the patience, together with the gentleness, it's part of it. Those are the marks of grace. As I said, that joy is not always the highest. Sometimes without high heights, stable, but sometimes it is. Philippians 1. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Furtherance. Furtherance of joy and faith. So God's people are also encouraged to look for more, for deeper joy, for more of a wonder, more of a depth in there. Exceeding joy. The greatness of the joy. Secondly, the marks of that joy. Thirdly, encourage to see the joy. Congregation of that true joy, that humble joy, so deep, so profound, the joy based on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is something you cannot fabricate yourself. Something needs to be given. And yet, the Lord in his word commands it as well. The Lord encourages sinners to see the joy in him. Although it's a gift, the same token it is also a command. Same way believing, right? Believing is the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot believe yourself in a saving way. And yet the Lord says, repent ye and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Same for joy. It's a gift. You need to be careful. And yet, Psalm 33, verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise comely for the upright. It is beautiful. It ought to be like that. Psalm 70, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. So it's also a command, an invitation that comes to us. Why do we spend money for that which is not bread? Why do we seek the joy of this world over the joy of God? That's a sin. It's a sin to rejoice in things over God. It's a command. Let us to God's glory. So talk to yourself. Live a holy life. And think of Nehemiah 8 verse 10. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's such a strength to God's people, that joy, in the fight against sin. There are many reasons to rejoice for. But what it means to receive that joy, 
the joy is encouraged and commanded, and there also means the Lord uses to give that joy and to increase the joy. Certainly. For example, seeking to lean upon the Lord Jesus Christ is so connected to, to faith you need to see faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to receive that joy. There's no joy outside of him, as you have heard, so seek him. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek him. Seek to know him personally, to have him in your heart, to have your eyes open for the Savior. And therefore, read that Bible. Huh? Read it. Read the, the Gospels. I was listening to a speech this week of Reverend Haring. Reverend C. Haring, he commemorated in Holland his 60 years, 60 year ministry in our congregations. And he was from Notre background. You may want to seek it, find yourself from Notre background. And his girlfriend, his wife, Talia, from the bottom of all the things, you have a soul. You can't live that, you, you, you cannot, you cannot seek, you, you can seek, you cannot make salvation yourself. You have a soul for eternity, there's death, there's a hell, there's a heaven. All those things she taught him. And one of the things she taught him, she said, you have to read, read your Bible. So he purchased a Bible for himself and he started reading the Bible from scratch. He never read the Bible. And he started reading from Matthew as his girlfriend recommended Matthew, and he started reading, reading hours and hours, and he found some insight into who the Lord Jesus was. He got such a high esteem for him, and he felt so unconverted, he, he, he missed it all. So that Bible, read it, study it, meditate upon it. I think it's better to read one verse ten times and just think about it, then just rattle the whole chapter off quickly, and you don't know anymore what you have read. So study that. Let's sink in. Ask the Lord to understand it. So you may receive that sorrow for sin and that joy in God. And of course, pray, right? Psalm 90. Pray. Psalm 90, verse 14. Is clear on that. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So early in the morning, first thing you do, satisfy, Lord, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days, the whole day. The joy goes together with faith, with believing. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice ye righteous. Joy. Did you know that the joy of the, in, in the Lord is also combined with the joy of the Lord. Not only God's people rejoice, God is also rejoicing. I don't read that the Lord is believing. 
I don't read that the Lord is repenting. But I read the Lord is loving people. And I also read that the Lord is rejoicing in sinners. Zephaniah 3. That's a strong verse. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Think of bride and groom. You know, she um, appears on that morning, the Friday morning, and he sees her the first time in her dress. And he smiles, and he is so happy to see her, and rejoicing in her. And she's rejoicing in him. Like the bride, like the bridegroom is rejoicing in the bride, so shall my God rejoice over thee. It's also joy from the Lord. And that is something incomprehensible. That the Lord can rejoice in his people. And yet, yeah, that's true. Look at it for yourself. Zephaniah 3.17. Maybe the first to also memorize. And did you know that the Bible also speaks of the joy of the Lord Jesus? Exceeding joy in Christ himself. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him and do the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the Lord Jesus saw the joy that was coming, set before him. And therefore the Lord Jesus was motivated to come to earth and to assume the human nature And he was willing to suffer and to die on the cross because of that joy set before him. So if you're one of his and like to rejoice more, talk to yourself. Like David did in in Psalm 42 and also in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Right? So, I look at Romans 8, verse 31 and following, and it says, constantly us. I'm changing it us to me, so that you can talk to yourself. And maybe you can repeat this in your heart after me, if you, if you know the grace. What shall I say then to these things, if God is for me? You talk to yourself. Who can be against me? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for me. How shall he not with him also give all things unto me? In all things I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, no things present, no things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me 
from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Exceeding joy. David had that split feeling. Sometimes he saw all the billows and, and waves come over him. Other times he also saw that exceeding joy in the Savior. So, if you did not attend the Lord's Supper this morning, ask yourself the question. If you are looking for the real joy, it goes so deep that it fills you completely up. You have no joy, no, nothing to desire over. If all, you're satisfied with everything. If you miss that, you miss so much. Seek it and live. And if you have attended this morning, you have never rejoiced in Christ. Repent and say, Lord, I have to be honest with myself and with the people. I have deceived myself. I have found joy in Bible texts, and I try to go around the Lord Jesus. Uh, that's not right. Seek the Lord Jesus. Don't do it without him. Don't deceive yourself. And if you have attended this morning, also that calm, not a, not a real high joy, but a, a calm, acknowledge the Lord for that. And another time it might be different. Another time it might be a high height or a little higher than it was now. The Lord is free. But also realize your responsibilities in rejoicing. You can never say, well, I can make myself so I don't have to worry. No, seek it. Rejoice in the Lord is a command. Because the more you, re- re- you rejoice in him, the better it is for the Lord's glory. The Lord is really glorified when you are satisfied in him. Amen.